Dan there, and happy Thanksgiving out there in podcast land. This is the Adam Jones Podcast. I'm Jerry Coleman. He's the former five-time MLB All-Star and former Oriole, of course, Adam Jones. And today, AJ, we have reached episode number 56. My guy, Darren O'Day. And you know what? I'm in the lighter clothes as I am going to expand my shirt, and there's no need to be really clothed on such a marvelous holiday. I love that shirt, and so does Pat McAfee. And about O'Day, we haven't had him on yet, but there's someone to shoot for coming up because we're going to give you a big turkey day helping of the best of the Adam Jones podcast. We've been going at it for well over a year now, folks, yeah. and there have been so many great interviews, Adam. I mean, and we'll share a lot of those conversations with you. We encourage you to go back and check out the best of our interviews, full capacity, of any podcast in Baltimore, by a wide margin, we certainly have the best guest list, by a large margin. And we're just bringing you a few of the best conversations over the last 13 months. Some of the interviews will be in our For the Birds segment, which is presented by the Baseball Warehouse. We appreciate their support. But Adam and I are also going to provide you with another edition of Socially Speaking, where this week we got a few podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts that we want to reveal. We actually have a how to rate the podcast video for dummies like me. Let's take a look. On your phone, go to podcast, type in Adam Jones. Now you're at the Adam Jones podcast. Then just follow us. It's free. Rate us. Five stars would be great. Now that was easy, right? Done, Chip. Well done. All of our guests on the Adam Jones podcast, of course, sponsored by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, where D.L. Hall told us last week he eats right there regularly. Their tailgoat, I went to one for baseball. I've been to two for football. There's no better tailgoat or tailgating than the Jimmy's Famous Seafood tailgate oh. in Baltimore, in my opinion. Nothing tops that experience, Adam. First class. That's probably because you're getting you, you're also getting free food, so the of freeness course. of it. Yeah. But no, I know the food is fantastic, so I, I can't even hate on it. I, I'm I'm salivating right now, overthinking about it. Yeah, because you're many miles away over in Barcelona. So this podcast began back in October of 2022, but we're going to begin in February of 2023 with the great CC Sabathia, a good friend of yours, Adam. And I asked CC about something that you and I have talked about routinely on this podcast, the lack of African-Americans in the sport of baseball. Well, we've been talking about this, and of this, of course, is Black History Month, and the lack of African-Americans playing the sport that you guys excelled at. Uh, how do you feel about that, CC? We've heard Adam talk about it in the past. You just mentioned you got a kid rising through the ranks right now, but where is the sport headed in that direction? Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot um, where, the, where the sport is headed. I mean, where the sport is headed, I think, is in a good place because of, of guys like me and Adam and, you know, the Players Alliance and the work that we're doing. And, uh, you know, Curtis Granderson, Edwin Jackson, Mike Bourne, um, all of our friends in the organization that we started with the Players Alliance just trying to get more, um, not more participation because kids are playing in our community um, and they're playing at a high level. They just don't get the access that other kids get. So it's up to us to, to get them the access and and whatever equipment that they need, whether it's, uh, you know, stuff to measure exit velo or, you know, for, you know, guys to be able to have weighted balls to throw harder, all of the stuff you need to, to be a better baseball player at this point, um, we need to get them access to. So through the Players Alliance, through, you know, uh, Major League Baseball's wide, uh, youth development fund, um, we've been able to, to, at the grassroots level, you know, try to turn the tide a little bit and, uh, 
you know, you seen it in the draft last year in 22. Um, you know, you had, I think, four or five of the top seven picks were uh, were black kids. So, um, you know, we got a long, long way to go to get them to the big leagues. And, you know, it's not even just players. It's coaches. It's front office people. It's, you know, people working in the stadiums. You know what I mean? We need to, we need to create more baseball fans in the black community throughout. You know what I mean? Whether it's in Baltimore, in New York, and in Colorado, you know, it's, it's get, attracting these people to come to the park and becoming baseball fans. Uh, CC Sabathia bringing it strong and speaking the truth. That was back in February. What yeah. type of progress are you seeing? I mean, it's, he it hit it right on the head. I mean, what the Players Alliance is doing, it, it's, it's the opportunity. It's, you can't say that the participation in the African-American community is low. It's not low. It's just that when you go to the national stages, the perfect games and the Baseball America tournaments and everything national rankings, you don't see the African-Americans there because they're not there because they can't necessarily afford the tournaments and the fees because it's it's crazy expensive. So um, but the participation is there. The Players Alliance is doing fantastic work uh, to get more African-Americans playing. There's some really big news that's going to come to Baltimore for uh, the Players Alliance doing something big in Baltimore. <clears throat> I'm not at liberty. That you cannot break right now on your own I, podcast? I, I can't break it on my own podcast because I haven't. I, we have not informed uh, the person who we're, who we're giving the grant to. Okay. But there's some really, really big news that's coming to Baltimore that's really going to help out uh, in the African-American community, in the inner city of Baltimore. So um, when that time comes, I can't wait to break it because, you know, we're a breaking podcast. But uh, I can't I can't break it yet. All right. Well, that's called a wonderful tease by Adam yeah. Jones and CC <laughs> Sabathia, of course, a fellow podcaster. Next, here's CC on what it was like to face my colleague, my co-host, Adam Jones, in a real major league appearance. <laughs> what did you feel like his weakness was? One one delivery, and that ball is hit deep to left field. Way back. Adam Jones. Goodbye. Home run. Oh, is he hot? His fourth career home run against CC Sabathia. <laughs> I wouldn't even know that. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know if there was a weakness in that swing, man. It was just always trying to get him to be aggressive. If I can get him in swing mode, then I felt like I had a good day. Wow, Chip, uh, I thought he had to dig deep to find a rare Adam Jones highlight against CC Sabathia, but that was one of many, it turns out. Hey, no, Chip, you know, doing a good, doing me a good solid. He could have easily found a back foot slider, a curveball, me swinging at or something like that, rolling over, popping up. But no, he gave, he gave me the good looks and made me look good. But uh, no, competing against CC, me and him have faced each other the most individual. Like to like, I face him the most. He's faced him the most as pitcher batter um, combination, and it it's, it just comes up. First off, it's competitiveness. Uh, I know he's gonna come after me, and and you know, I remember when he's had the ninety eight. And then I remember when he had the the 91, 92, throwing the backdoor cutters and getting the throwing the curveball. So it, it was chess our whole careers against each other. And now that we're friends at the end of it, we can talk about it and just like, man, we no, we went after each other. Like, you know, now we're on the golf course talking, talking smack. I was going to say it's it's turned to the golf course <clears> as a uh, way of competition. Yeah, we, we golfed together a couple of weeks ago and just, you know, going after it head to head, talking smack. So it's just the competitiveness has just uh, shifted from the baseball field to the greens. But, uh, no, it was – I mean, it's a pleasure to, to be able to uh, compete against a Hall of Famer. Just tip my cap to the man. Absolutely. And uh, 
Speaking of Hall of Famers, one of our earliest guests in season one was the legend himself, the Hall of Famer, Ken Griffey Jr., Oof. who asked this question to Griff about what's important to you, mentorship. Right there. Who did you look up to besides your father, I should say? Who else was like, you know, because it's like you have kids. We all listen, our kids listen to us a little bit. They listen to other people a little bit better. But so who did you listen to? And who was your mentors besides uh, your father, obviously, since you have well, It's funny because, you know, I, I did a – um, talent show in the fourth grade and I saying, you know, take me out to the ball game and my dad pulled me aside and said, hey, just be you. All these other names that you mentioned, the, those are their names. Just be you. So from that point on, I was just wanting to be me. And when I got to, when my dad played for the Yankees, you know, the guys that took me under the wings were Ricky Henderson, Dave Winfield, Willie Randolph, uh, Oscar Gamble. And then when I got to the big leagues, it became you know, Kirby Puckett, Chili Davis, um, Jeffrey Leonard, Mickey Brantley, Harold Reynolds, Alvin Davis, Dave Valley. I mean, it was a list and they were like, hey, we're not going to to allow you to fail. You're going to be the 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 star of this league. And it's up to us to make sure that you stay on this path. Two things about that. One, that trophy case behind him is unbelievable. Uh, And the other is the path and all the great role models he had. He he knows what he's doing. I've I've talked to him multiple times, like FaceTiming, and, you know, and he always – I'm sure he's in another part of his house. It seems like he'll call you back and just be in that room. Now, he he knows what he's – he knows what he's doing with that backdrop. But, I mean, what – I mean – that's one of the best ones ever assembled right there. Are you kidding me? Um, but no, it's Griffey. And, um, you know, he, like I said, he grew up in the clubhouse, but to have so many guys that uh, outside of his father to have mentors, you know, in a great game like this, he's getting a different point of view. And, you know, <clears throat> with him, I, I, I like getting his point of view. I like getting my guy, Mark Moore's point of view. I like talking to Big Poppy. I like talking to different people because you got to get different guys' point of view. There's different guys' lifestyles and different guys' uh, pedigrees. So, you know what? That's why I like Griffey because he's not just a, just a bland. Like, he, you can talk to him literally about every and anything because he's such a, he's such a well-rounded guy because he's been all these places. Obviously, he's a fantastic golfer, too. That's why I really like him even more now. <laughs> Uh, post career, but no, he's just so well rounded, and he's he's one of the easiest guys to talk to. And I love him because now he does the uh, he does photography, and he does it solely that he because he loves sports, he loves being around sports, but he don't like to be bothered. So if you're a photographer and you're sitting down there, <clears throat> nobody can bother you. It's a great so maneuver. It really is. Same with Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson loves sports. He loves music. He you know he follows with YouTube and all that stuff. But he don't want to talk to you. But if he's sitting in a seat, somebody gonna talk to him. It eliminates that when he's down in the pulpit with the with with his guys with the with the cameras. They don't want to bother him either. So they already took his pictures for thousands of years. So uh, yeah, he's got a great great uh, post career tactic. And Griffey is looking good in those commercials he's doing too for a certain oh, insurance hilarious. company. Hilarious, absolutely. He also explained, I mean, he doesn't play fortune teller on the side, but he was sort of Nostradamus when he talked about the Orioles' upcoming season before it all kicked off. But have you paid attention to the Orioles at all and their resurgence and rebuilding? They're obviously, they're in a whole uh, rebuilding. Uh, they're done rebuilding. Look, that, that monster catcher that they got. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that that little bit of pitching staff that they working through. Woo. Yeah, yeah. I, I you got to pay attention. I mean, like like I tell people all the time when people say, "Ah, oh, they suck, they suck." I'm like, dude, do you know that they were the best player on their high school team? They're the best player on their college team. Mm-hmm. They're the best player on every level in the minor leagues. That's why they're in the big leagues. And you sitting up in the stands yelling, it ain't like you can go down there and say, hey, coach, uh, bat me third. I, I think I could do better than this guy. It's not going to happen. So just sometimes we have good years. Sometimes we have bad years. And, but the the Orioles, they starting to put it together. It's going to be fun to watch over the next couple of years. Griffey keeping it real. And he saw the promise yeah. of this eventually a 100-win team. I mean, he just seen that they had immense talent. And he's seen that, you know, this whole second half of 2022, I mean, they were one of the best teams in all of baseball, especially in the American League. And obviously, he reeled off 101 wins. And you know what? I think now is the time to where, you know, they're on the map now. Everybody's looking at them to be like, hey, what are they going to do? I think the, I think besides uh, Otani and, you know, maybe Blake Snell and Bellinger, the big top-end free agents, I think most a lot of people in the industry and fans across baseball are going to see what are the Orioles going to do? They have a really, really good team. They, we know they have financial flexibility. We don't know as obviously, you know, we don't know the books. No one does besides them. We want to see uh, what they're going to do. Are they going to improve? Or are they going to still ride it out another year? And I think that's going to be one of the top end stories of this offseason is what, do you, what are the Orioles going to do? And, you know, Griffey hit it on the head. They got crazy talent, crazy talent coming up. But what are you going to do to get yourself over that hurdle? Yeah, we'll see if they do some cooking on the hot stove during the offseason. Now, back in March during spring training, we were grateful to have former Orioles and then Mets skipper Buck Showalter on the podcast as our special guest. And he told us about how he deals with the intrusive and rather noisy New York media. My final question for you, Buck, and it does deal with the media because obviously this is your second time around in New York in between with the Orioles, the stint at ESPN. You, you feel like you're better equipped to deal with all these people. And the sports talk radio, man, I, in, that, in that market, I, I, I don't know how you can stand listening to it because it really is out of control. Uh, you're Russ, Russ, are you that you're stupid? You're the Mets are going to win the NL East. Yeah, and, and, and what, you think they lost because of something I said? You think they lost because of something I said? You, you think the they lost the because of something yes. I said? You gave them the kiss of death. Russ, now. you idiot. You Do you? Hey, Russ, you idiot. Do you think they lost? Blame the talk show host for losing the game. That's how passionate right. or maybe He's probably or right. crazy He's some probably of these fans right. are. He's probably right. But, uh, you know, first <laughs> of all, I don't read anything, and I don't listen to any of those. And if you come in my house, as Adam knows, I'm watching a game, any sport, it'll be with the sound off. Because if you're going to interact with those people every day and you're going to, you know, because it's part of your job, you can't be reading and, and listening to every little thing. It's what I tell the players. You know, you, you can't. And um, I'm not on any of those different communication things, Facebook, Twitter, all the different Twitter, all the things that they have, whatever they are. But I choose not to be a part of it. It doesn't make me right or wrong. I just – I can't do the things I need to do for the players every day if I'm constantly letting my personality be shaped by what I'm reading every day. He's not on Twitter or Twatter, whatever he called it. What the hell did you just say? But he is media savvy. He always has been. That is fascinating, though, a former TV uh, guy who listens to games with the sound off. Well, he's a he's, I mean, he's personable. He can talk to everybody. 
I mean, he's a manager. When you're a manager, you have to be a personal buyer. You have to be a communicator. And he's one of the best communicators. I mean, he was taught in New York early on in the, in, in the 90s. So, you know, this second go around back with, with the Mets, it was, it was very easy, I think, when it came to the, uh, when it came to the media side. And uh, Buck's witty. You know, he's, he's, he's very witty. If you've been around him, you'll know that, he, you know, he's asking you questions that he even knows the answer to. So tell him the truth. There ain't no reason to lie to him because he'll sit there and be like, hmm, gotcha. Um, but no, I, it was, you know, my best experiences with Buck was he just said, look, control the game, control yourself, go out there and play. You know what you need to do. You're a grown man. You're a professional. I don't need to coach you. I don't need, but look, it, I just need you to do one thing. That's grind. All right, I got you. So, you know, he, he allowed us to police ourselves on a daily basis. We policed our own clubhouse. We didn't, you know, he, he did not worry about our clubhouse unless he needed to. Again, we're going on an eight, 10 game winning streak or maybe a five. He can see it spiraling to, you know, how they can five can turn into eight real quick. All right. We might need to have something. We might need to talk. Let's nip this in the bud real quick. But he let us police ourselves. And that's why we I think we had success. Do you think he continues in Major League Baseball? I know he was up for the Angels. <clears> and <throat> didn't get it, unfortunately. Um, I think I think so. I, but you know what? It, it's crazy because I want him to. I think everybody wants him to win a, a ring. I think that would solidify him, like Dusty Baker and you know, a lot of other guys. Because the World Championship is the manager's cream, the like cream, especially if you're in it for twenty plus years and have the rapport that you have. Um, but at the same time, I think you know he's only getting older. Um, you know, he's got grandkids. They're they're getting bigger and stronger, and they, you know, I know they're they're more mobile. So. Uh, it's, it's like it's double-edged sword is do you want to go back and work every single day? You're still getting paid a lot and you can take out your pension next year or I don't know if he's double dipping. Um, or you can, I mean, obviously there's the Yes Network, there's MLB Network. I mean, I think there's plenty of networks that would love to have him for some reason. And I don't know why he won't do it. I see him being like of the president of baseball, like running a president ops. Like, oh, I don't know what. I see him doing that for some reason, like running the ops, maybe not a general manager because that's every single day, you know, and, and the president obviously is every single day also, but, but the president, you don't have to be, you know, as in, in, in house as the general manager, but I, for some reason, him running a whole team, like as the president of baseball ops, for me, I, I've, once he, once he didn't get signed in Baltimore, that's the first thing that comes to mind is, you, you know, you got grandkids, why not just go, if possible, be a VP, be a front office guy? Because his brain is so crazy, but I know his on-field acumen is that that competitive. He loves he loves to put his hand right here, and you can't do that. Uh, no one's going to see it, I should say, from uh, from the ivory tower, as he likes to call it. Well, that's a terrific idea. He's got such yeah. a great baseball mind. So we'll see right. what's next for Buck Showalter. We've got more of our best conversations of the Adam Jones podcast coming up. But first, let's salute our loyal, dedicated sponsors. Go out and support them, folks. Hi, guys. Oriole Hall of Famer and ambassador to the baseball warehouse, Mike Bordick here. We are honored and excited to help support the Adam Jones podcast. The baseball warehouse has four locations in Maryland and two in Pennsylvania. We specialize in private instruction, camps, showcases, charity events, Badgers baseball, and one-of-a-kind events featuring current Major League players and Hall of Famers. Our instructors have all played collegiately and professionally, many of whom have reached the major leagues. Check out thebaseballwarehouse.com to learn more and check us out on social media. Also, make sure to check out Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey's Baseball Warehouse opening in Columbia this October. Yeah, it's October 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. I'll be there with many of my former teammates, and I want to see you there. 
The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, Charm City's favorite crab cake destination. Local sports fan? Experience the ultimate pregame party at the tailgate. Cheer on the Ravens with iconic live performances, an open bar, and mouth-watering eats. Can't make it? No worries. Bring the same food that caught the attention of the Food Network right to your doorstep. Shipping East Coast recipes nationwide. Jimmy's Famous Seafood is the official sponsor of the guests appearing on the Adam Jones Podcast. And by our friends at the Weinman Company. Your fun awaits at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Feed the whole crew with something for everyone, from cheesesteaks to crab cake sandwiches. Plus, ask how you can get a $15 dining credit. Get in on the gaming action with the hottest slots and your favorite table games, like blackjack, roulette, and poker. Free live shows every Friday and Saturday. Plus, become a Penn Play member and get up to $250 in rewards. Come experience nonstop fun and excitement only at Hollywood Casino Perryville. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Effective Solutions, your one-stop shop for commercial contracting. Everything from excavation and site development to emergency remediation and restoration. Effective Solutions specializes in many forms of commercial and mixed-use construction, like leak investigation, framing, trim carpentry, insulation, drywall, painting, wallpaper, flooring, masonry, waterproofing, paving, tree removal, and much more. With a dedicated staff and a commitment to quality, Effective Solutions delivers every time. By G-Leaf Medical Cannabis Only. Visit gleaf.com. Medical cannabis is for qualified Maryland patients only. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Royal Farms. Download the Royal Farms app from the Apple App Store or Google Play today. New Royal Farms Rewards members will get a free any size cup of Royal Farms award-winning coffee just for signing up. Hey, Justin, keep an eye on the time. It's your night to handle dinner. No worries. Got it covered. It's great getting dinner ready with no worries. That's why I never waste time and go straight to Royal Farms. Their chicken is fresh, never frozen, hand-breaded, and cooked right in the store. Oh, wow, this smells amazing. I'm so impressed. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, that's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And a reminder, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the Baltimore Banner at thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ to get started. Now back. Back to our continuing conversation. It's the best of the Adam Jones podcast. So what's next for us here on the best of the Adam Jones podcast? Contrary to popular belief, we do talk football here on the podcast. <laughs> and in May, we became the first and only local podcast outside of the castle to have the Ravens head coach on, John Harbaugh. And Adam, you asked him about something that's still percolating now throughout the NFL the tush push, which the Eagles uh, specialize in. What about the purple and black, Coach? You gonna try that? Uh, you guys gonna incorporate that butt fumble? I mean, not the butt fumble. Butt no, push. the the butt, butt, push. butt push. Yeah, butt we are push. Okay, so we actually Lamar had... strong enough. I mean, Jalen. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we, we we had that in. That was we ran that numerous times last year. Okay. Now I'm not gonna say we ran it as well as as well as Philadelphia because they were ridiculously good at it, but. That was the call in the in the Bengals game. That was what we were. That's what we were doing, and you know we, we made the mistake of going over the top, and and that's what happened. So we learned from that. But um, yeah, that you got to have that man. That's that's a that's a sweet play right there. It sure did backfire on the Ravens against the Bengals. <laughs> Sam Hubbard went the other way. But in my opinion, my humble opinion, that play should yeah. be illegal. 
I think the rules committee is going to take another look during the offseason and say we're not playing rugby here in the NFL. I mean, um, and I mean, if it's, again, if it's in the rules, that's why the rules are. But, you know, these you hire people to uh, debunk all the rules. Right. That's you know, that that's just what you do. And, um, you know, if it works, it works. It worked for the for the Eagles. I mean, it works eight, masterfully for them. Eight, eight, nine times. I mean, it, it helps out when obviously when you're. Uh, your quarterback is, is yeah. strong, you know, when the lower half is everybody on the team. So that helps a lot. But, hey, if it works, it works. I mean, obviously you got Lamar Jackson who can uh, juke anybody and outrun anybody. So there's a lot of that. But, I mean, hey, Ravens, what you're doing, give the ball to Edwards. He's having a good year. Let him run. Have fun. Just don't mess with it. Lamar is doing – they're doing a great job. Keep it where it at and just keep playing game. Ravens got the Chargers coming up on Sunday night football and your old start rounds. Well, not in San Diego in Los Angeles. So. Where does my heart lie with this week, huh? Don't say that out loud. We want to get you back on the Ravens sideline eventually. Now, besides Coach Harbaugh, we also had another long-tenured Raven on the podcast, your buddy Justin Tucker. He joined us nearly a year ago. as November of 2022. And this still very much applies. I asked Tucker about being labeled already while his career is still going, the GOAT. It is the Adam Jones podcast. Jerry Coleman, Adam Jones, joined by Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. And, you know, I've heard other people refer to you as the GOAT. That's a term that goes around a lot these days, whether it be LeBron or Tiger or guys, you know, Tom Brady. I'm kind of comfortable with Tom Brady right now. How comfortable are you with the title? of? And the rest of those are GOATs, too. I understand. Well, you know. He's a hater. Jerry's a hater. Jordan's a GOAT. Jack Nicholas is the GOAT. Uh, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Justin, you're on your way. Are you uncomfortable when people give you that title while you're still playing? The career is not over yet. Uh, You know, I don't know if I would say I'm uncomfortable. I I feel like it's definitely, um, you know, it's it's an honor to be in that conversation. I feel like it's it's really nice of folks to say. Um, But, you know, as soon as – I feel like it's a tale as old as time. As soon as you start – actually thinking you're sweet and you start believing it and then you start talking about yourself in a way that you know is out of pocket then that's when stuff kind of gets like a little you know a little crazy on the field you know at times he does come across as cocky but he's not he knows what he is he's the best he doesn't brag about it he goes out and gets the job done every time and for the record one more time lebron is not the greatest basketball player of all time that is michael jeffrey jordan Mm. I think the the greatest basketball player of all time conversation is gonna is gonna change with what LeBron's doing. He's for he's gonna be forty thousand, fifteen thousand, and ten thousand. I think like Jesus Christ. Um, but no, um, when it comes to the greatest of all time, like he, he's still playing the game. And what I love about JT is that you know he's so well rounded. Obviously, you see him on the commercials. You see him having fun in the on the sidelines. Um, he's, he's a kicker with a with a with with a with a, with a, with a personality. Uh, you know, like Seabass and M- McAfee, who I'm dressed like because, you know, I just, just <laughs> I got a grill later. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I just, I just, I love his personality, you know, and he's like, look, you, you guys can say it. You guys can call me at all time. You know, whenever Michael Jordan said this, he, Michael Jordan always said, you can, how can I say I'm the greatest all time when, you know, I didn't play against Will Chamberlain. I didn't play against this guy. You know, that like, it's the humble pie and you let the rest of us, you let me call him the greatest of all time. You right. call him all time and that's when you're really the growth when you don't have to say nothing tom brady just does this 
Or, I mean, I'm sorry, he does like this, like the Home Alone look. Jordan said, like, Jordan has a picture with him like this or something like that. Like, that picture, that's all I, That's all you need to say. He doesn't have to Walk say. Walk into the room. Yeah, you don't need to say, I'm the greatest of all time. No. Griffey, you see his backdrop? That tells you. Just look back there, be like, oh, well, all right. All right, yeah. we're going to go the other direction. Yeah, there's no need for the other conversation. So, um, JT, I love it how he just lets everybody else call him in. And, you know, once he nailed, when he went, I think he Jason Elam went 64, and then he went 66 in Detroit. Yep. And then he did 61, and like, he, I mean, they. I remember when he attempted 70, or they were trying to do it, and not bad for an undrafted free agent. Not exactly. Hey, hey, and he's gonna go down as you know the greatest kicker of all time. He's on his way to Canton, Ohio. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. All right, oh, we definitely. Move along. We move along here in the best of edition of the Adam Jones podcast, and our for the birds portion is just ahead. It's brought to you by our friends at the Baseball Warehouse where you are taught baseball the right way from professionals like Mike Bordick or Rick Dempsey. We appreciate their support. And a few months ago, as we turned to the Orioles, we had outfielder Anthony Santander on the podcast. He joined the fun and explained to us how he learned the English language now that he's speaking out on podcasts like ours. Hey, um, I played with Wilmer Flores, and he told me the we, the, I just want to go with the English – he told me the reason you know, how he learned English was watching Friends. Um, what did you watch any TV show? And that was his at bat music also. But did you watch any TV show, or did you take classes, or just put yourself out there and just start talking English? Uh, I do watch a TV show, uh, Two and a Half Men. That's my favorite <laughs> show. <laughs> that <was something> <laughs> Great show, though. That's a great show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I pick up a lot of stuff from the TV show. Uh, but I, I learn uh, talking with you guys, with my teammates. Uh, all the time, trying to pick up, like, three words each day. And, and after that, be able to pull everything together. His joy is infectious. And we had him on in late September in the season. But I'll never speak English as well as he speaks Spanish. That's for sure. No, you no, I know that. But no, you know what? It's it's just it's taking the risk of just learning the language. And you know what? The coolest part and the scariest part uh, of uh, playing professional baseball in America is no matter what, you still got to go through the minor leagues. So the Latin guys, they're still going to the smaller cities that are predominantly English speaking. You know what I mean? The Greensboro, North Carolinas, the Green Bay, Wisconsin's, Clinton, Iowa's. It's not many Hispanics that are just, you know, totally taking over the language and in mercados and stuff like that there. So a lot of those guys at those lower levels, when they go out to eat, they have to speak English to order food. If they go out in groups, you know, one of them might, one of the Latin guys might speak better English than the other, but they're learning because, you know, that's that's all that is there. It's, it's English speaking, you know, only. So, um, you know, I played with a lot of guys who, you know, you could see that the lower levels didn't speak it. And then as we got closer to the big leagues, they spoke it more and more. Uh, Felix Hernandez was one of the one of the case in point. He got to the big league so fast that he just like it took him to like 24 to start doing interviews in English because he got to the big league so fast that he didn't have the the maturation of understanding English in the in the lower levels. He was just so comfortable with speaking Spanish. So it, it you know now he speaks perfect English. Jeez, his his accent is he's losing his accent. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, the Latin guys, when they take their time and, and immerse themselves in it, 
they you know they come out speaking they become dual language so much respect for someone that can learn a second language it's the same way i felt when i went to japan it was like damn i'm thrown in like i'm thrown into the fire you know what i mean like damn and the best thing i could have done and the best thing i did was like you know what let me figure it out and uh you know that that's just what you got to do i remember when i was in the minors playing shortstop the middle infielders you call it's a double play they'd be like two play two play two play i'm like all right they turn two all right you know what i mean it's just but once you get on the field obviously the language the baseball is the language universal right? language of baseball exactly but it's just when they take the time to learn the actual language it's still funny when they cuss in english because they put the words in you know okay. different order. It's, it's, you know, it, it, you help them out and, and vice versa. I was always trying to learn Spanish in the minor leagues too. So it's like, Hey, let's both be incorrect, but help each other out. Well, in November of last year, before being unanimously declared the rookie of the year, young Gunnar Henderson made an appearance and Adam, you asked Gunnar what it was like for him for waiting for his call to get to the show. No, I mean, um, Outside of, like, some of the older guys who I developed a relationship with, like, throughout the, I guess, 30-some games that I played, um, I was able to spend a good amount of time with a lot of those guys at the alt site in 20. So um, I felt like I was able to um, have a good relationship already in there, so it made the transition up to the big league level a lot easier and uh, made it a lot more comfortable for me. What about playing with a lot of these guys that you played with at the lower levels, like we mentioned Adley and – Obviously, DL and some of these other guys that got promoted. Uh, me, yeah, just being able, like, because when I first got to Pro Bowl, Adley was my very first roommate. So just being able to start the relationship that early with him was really special, and just seeing it because I was freshly turned eighteen at the time, and just being able to see how he went to work through the college side of things, and um, just see how his routine was was pretty awesome to be able to experience that. And then uh, just being able to watch DL and face him in 2020 at uh, Altsite was uh, pretty tough, but uh, it was awesome to be able to see that because, I mean, not very often do you see 100 from the left side. So That's one that we're going to reflect on for years to come because that was Gunner speaking on his parents' couch in his hometown of Selma, Alabama, back on November 16th of last year, and he's come a long way in a short amount of time, Adam. He's probably got his own spot now. You think? I would okay. probably say he's probably got a song. <laughs> <laughs> when a rookie of the year, he's going to get himself a nice bonus and get himself an RB year already. So uh, he's got a nice, he's got a nice ring to it. But you know what? Is um, you know, when you're when you are a rebuilding organization and you know you have a lot of young guys, they you know they play against each other. So you you can clearly see it when guys get called up, they're not uncomfortable. They're not like you know, hey, you know, I don't want to step on the veterans' toes. Who is this guy? Who's that? Everybody gets called up. It's like, hey, man, hey, I'm glad finally you got up with us. Finally, you're here. I'm glad you're here with us. It seems like they, like everybody is waiting for the next person to get called up because they grew up with each other. So um, I think that's, I think it's awesome. And you see it in the results. When someone gets called up, there's no unfamiliarity with how the, the flow of the game is and their philosophy. Everybody gets called, they got called up in 23. They had the, they had the same exact philosophy and they fit right into it. Now there's other guys with more talent. It's better than that's all. That's different. But the philosophy and intent throughout the system seems like it, it's it, it's system wide now, which is great because you know sometimes your your big league team is good and your your minor league teams are bad and this and that. All the minor league teams are really good last year, 
in 20, you know, this year in 23, all of them. And I think that is because they have a system-wide, organizational-wide uh, philosophy. And, you know, every level that guys get called up, they just buy into the philosophy and they have, and they're having success. So um, keep at it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he told yeah. us how he was making the adjustments to the big leagues, and this was prior to his monster season he just exactly. completed. Be a little cocky and be like, like, look, when I'm raking, like, call me up a week earlier. Call me up two weeks earlier at the All-Star break when I first seen you. You should have went straight to Baltimore. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's hard for me to do. I've never, never grown or been that way. But, I mean, I will say, like, you go through the minor leagues for the experiences and stuff. And um, I felt like it was probably two or three weeks we were in Rochester, New York. And it was about that time that somebody did the fake uh, Orioles page and uh, said that I was getting called up. So my phone was just getting blown up and I wasn't getting called up. So it was like, I had to go through that experience of having, having to play with that type of, I guess, uh, pressure in a sense, because mm -hmm. I kind of put that on myself and I was like, you know what, it's not worth it. So I just uh, completely like deleted that uh, or deleted Twitter. Cause it was just every morning, like, blowing up my phone and it was just uh kind of overwhelming at the time so when i finally did that then i was kind of able to take a deep breath and just uh let myself go back to being who i was and uh was able enough to start uh hitting pretty good again and get the call up a very focused gunner henderson i mean hey when you're young i mean obviously you know social media has been part of their entire lives social media is a part has been a part of my life for the last 10 something years social media has been a part of your life you know a very small fraction of your life and you know it's just you know I, I see it as being a really i can see it as being a real big distraction i was already in my career then it's like started to be like what is twitter what is this so i can see it being a big distraction and you know i think now uh i, I think how these athletes use it i think they use it really smartly because you know you should promote yourself also and with the team what the team does now is they have all these, you know, the, the photographers and the, the social media content creators that they'll just blast the stuff out to your cell phone. So here, here, you know, here's 10, 15 pictures from today or on a Friday or Saturday morning. Like, I'll just email you, you know, X amount of pictures and you do what you want to do. Like, I didn't know so that. many different things. Like we use Greenfly uh, with MLB and we just boom, you get different pictures and like, bam, you know, you're able to post them in, in you know, candid shots. So you're not always on like trying to get the picture you you know you were able just to go be yourself and you get these pictures so it's good that these young dudes are promoting themselves through their own social medias well i learned something on today's podcast i did not know that background that was informative all right we go from one end of the spectrum of the orioles to the other i'm talking about the youthful gunner henderson to uh well i don't want to say he's old he's not he looks very youthful he is jim palmer the three-time Cy Young Award winner and Hall of Famer. And you asked the guy they call Cakes about developing a winning culture in Baltimore, something he was quite familiar with during his playing days, Adam. Winning pedigree. Obviously, you won a championship, won a World Series, Cy Youngs. I mean, accolades throughout the roof. What does this team need in the dog days of August and in September? First off, to win a division, but play deep into it as, you know, again, they're the, I think they're the greatest story this year also. But their story needs a really good ending. What do they need to do the next, you know, six weeks in order to secure something going and play, play special ball in October? It's funny. You know, we all know it's about the journey, not the destination. So, you know, you can look down the road and you can say, well, you know, 
we want to be playing in late October. So what's it going to take? It's going to have to take a special effort from the, the starting pitchers. Um, you know, um, the or you know, it's funny. You know, a couple of weeks ago we had the, uh, the the 40th anniversary of the uh, the Orioles. Uh, you know, winning the, the last World Series in '83, and uh, you know. Rick Dempsey was the most valuable player. Cal was the uh, most valuable player that year. Eddie Murray, you know, another Hall of Famer, was uh, second, I think, in the voting. Had a tremendous year. You could have really picked both either one of them. They had both had that great of years. Um, but one of the big trades we made, we made a couple of trades to get a little bit better. Uh, you know, we got Tito Landrum who hit the home run off of Brett, Brett Byrne and, and, you know, in, in the division to get us, you know, to, to the point where we could actually get to the World Series. So you need to make some acquisitions you know, whether they do that or not. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times it may, may even be, even though a guy may not uh, be able to, um, you know, be on your postseason roster, you might want to get a guy after the trade deadline that somehow gets through waivers that help you in the, in the month of September, even though he won't be eligible for the playoffs. So there's all kinds of ways of doing it. And the other way is just, can you relax? Can you do all the things that allow you to be the same kind of player? Because we all know, if you've ever played the game, that a game in September or a game in April is they have equal value. It just seems like because the, you know, the pennant race this season is waning down that you you know they have more import. But the Orioles have done such a great job of winning the one-run games and all that, so they just have to continue doing that. And you know, will they be able to do that? I don't know. He was dead on. I mean, he was one of two Hall of Famers we were lucky enough to have in season one, along with the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, and Jim was very informative. I mean, he hit it right on the head is the starting pitching is what is going to need to, you know, carry the team. And we, with Palmer, we had him on in, um, what, August? Yeah. I believe. So, you know, that was the most important thing. And what happened? The starting pitching carried them into the postseason. It carried them to the division title. Now, year two, because I remember in 2012, we won a lot of one-run games. 2013, we didn't have such luck in the one-run games, and we, you know, we didn't win the, the playoffs. We didn't get to the playoffs by a few games. Um, so, you know, how do you do it the next year? Because you know, you you're not going to have your your dominant closer. Um, you're not going to have Gibson. Maybe, maybe. Or is Bradish going to do the same thing? Is Kramer going to do the same thing? Are they going to continue to make the progress? And these are hard questions to to have an answer to because you got to play the game. So. Uh, that's that's the best part about the game is, you know, you can have a good year. A lot of people have had good seasons. Now you got to do it again. And then again, and then again, and again, and again. That's what makes a, a damn good career. So I think a lot of eyes are going to be on a lot of guys. You know, the, I think the, the the leash is off of everybody. Hey, come into camp fighting for this ace spot. Who wants to – I think that the best thing is who wants to throw opening day? I think Bradish, Kramer – uh, means I think means is gonna have something to say about it. Don't too. forget about Grayson. Don't forget about Grayson. I think that's gonna be the 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 article that I want to talk about in spring training. Who wants to start opening day? We also asked Jim about the shift, and long before it became a big deal in Major League Baseball today, he was doing his own version of the shift with Gold Glovers around him. Speaking of the shift, Jim, when he played, would do his own shift with the infielders. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever seen that with a major league pitcher where you would maybe move Mark Belanger, Bobby Gritch, or a couple of guys around. No, I didn't move the gold gloves. I moved the guys that didn't win the gold gloves. <laughs> I, you think I ever moved Brooks Robinson? Look, going over at Brooks and saying, uh, hey, Brooksy, I want you to move over, you know, play where I want you to play. But I would say, hey, look out for a bunt. And he'd go, Jimmy, 
you think I don't know, you may not, but, but, you know, you got to understand the game because the game changes. Uh, you know, you get a, you, in my era, if you were a left-handed hitter and you had a runner on first base and you couldn't hit a ball in the right field, you probably weren't going to play because it creates the first and third situation. And mm -hmm. another reason it creates a first and third situation is because your second baseman is paranoid about not being able to turn the double play. So what do they do? They come in and they come over a step or two. It makes it easier to hit the ball to their left into right field. So you turn around and you go, hey, make sure you get, where am I on camera? Make sure you get one. Because I don't want the runner at third with less than two outs. I don't want to, I don't want the sacrifice fly or the infield back allowing a run. Because runs are, you know, when you give up a 2.86 for your career, you didn't like to give up runs. What it's going to take for the Orioles. The great thing about that year, we pitched five straight shutouts. We had a 2.07 ERA for the month of September. Now, you know, Tim McCarver, the late Tim McCarver said, I, I joined the Red Sox uh, right before the trading deadline. And uh, one nothing, one nothing, and then I pitched a 6 nothing shutout. We went to Cleveland, one nothing, 2 nothing. So those were five straight shutouts. 207 ERA. Everybody, every day you came to the ballpark had a chance to help the team win. We had a meeting on Labor Day at Paul Blair's house. You know, Paul, the great center fielder, won eight gold gloves. I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet Paul, but he was a terrific center fielder. Um, and we had a meeting and basically said we came up with our own bun sign, our own hit and run sign, because Earl was playing, Earl Weaver, you know, Hall of Fame manager was playing for three run home runs and we weren't hitting him. So, you know, and, we, and then we went 25 out of now. We never really made a big deal out of it, but we were frustrated. We knew what we could do as a team. That was our live podcast at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And obviously Jim had a lot to say. I think we got to combine five questions in, but he was full of information and a lot of nostalgia. I mean, that that's, was the best thing about having him around so long in my career is you had the access to a Hall of Famer, and you can ask him anything because he's seen both sides of the ball. He wasn't just a, a good pitcher. He was a great athlete. You know, he could hit until they put in the DH, but he was a student of the game also, and you know that by if you have ever, ever talked to him or just listen to Masson, you'll know. I mean, a great student of the game, and, you know, he, he – he, He's one of the best of all time. Best right, one of the best right-handed pitchers of all time. Case lived at the top of the zone with that big curveball, and you know what? If 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 you're not taking any advice from him, you're wasting you're wasting your time. Like, are you kidding? And me? his, and his. That's that's a resource right there. And like, what what point? I mean, it's like having a CEO around you, and you're a, you know a mailroom guy, but you got you know aspirations to be the CEO, but you just don't even ask the CEO a question. It's like. They always say there's no there's no such thing as a dumb question uh, unless you don't ask one or something like that. And I mean, there are some really dumb questions, but I've asked a few many. Yeah. But uh, you. you don't take yeah. advantage of the Hall of Famer. You're wasting your time. When Eddie Murray was around, whenever he came around very small, I would take man. Eddie, what's up? How you doing? I sit next to him on a plane, the bus. Eddie, how you doing? Was let's talk. And you have to. Yeah, it's a resource. Great resource. as yeah. All right. Last but not least, it was back in June. We saved our youngest guest for last, I think. The next Orioles phenom, Jackson Holiday, joined the podcast. And, you know, the big question in Birdland is, when are we going to see him in an Orioles uniform? Well, he has a plan in place. Uh, have you set personal goals for yourself in terms of trying to attain the next level and moving up the ladder towards the major leagues and when you would like to be in a major league uniform? Have you sort of prioritized that? Maybe it's private. Maybe you want to share it with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going into the year, uh, I wanted to reach Double A by by the end of it, and um, 
that's kind of my goal. I, I was a big fan of of Bobby Witt and, and Gunner and, and Adley and kind of how their process of the of the minor leagues went. How it was very quick, and um, that's kind of that's kind of my goal. I want to be in Double A by the end of the year, and then by by next year, hopefully, in, in the big leagues or even just in Triple A and, and playing good. So uh, I don't want to give the Orioles any reason to keep me here. Um, I love the staff and I love all, all the players, but uh, that's my goal is to, to play in the big leagues. And um, I want to do it as soon as possible. That was from our June 21st episode of this year. And he worked his way through the minor league system in rapid fashion. I anticipate that he'll be on the opening day roster next year for the Orioles. What do you think? I mean, he said all the right things. You don't want to be in the minor leagues. There's no fun. Who in the does, right? Yeah, there's no fun in the minor leagues. I mean, it, Again, there's you know when there's he's a dude. You know when there's a dude, and there's when there's guys that you know maybe the guy or he's a dude, and uh, you know obviously his background speaks for itself. His hunger is what is what separates him. I mean, there's 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 obviously a lot of uh, not a lot, but there's kids that were drafted and are sons of uh, player of former players and former greats, but this kid's hunger is unbelievable. I mean, it's like Griffey's hunger. It's like, you know, like you're talking about a, like he wants to be better than his dad. And if he's better than his dad, which Griffey was better than his father, which his father was fantastic, you're putting yourself into you want to be all of him. That's what you want to be. And now it can be revealed. Now it can be revealed that we did try to blindside Jackson by having his father on the podcast. He wasn't available at that time. He wasn't available. He was was out. He was out uh, with his his younger son, who's a stud also. So. We got to get him on uh, also. It's <laughs> like, but you know, Jackson wants to be in the major leagues. And you say, man, you say opening day. I say this if he goes, if, you know, this is just like me thinking as a, you know, as outside the box. He goes to spring training, plays shortstop and second base every game on the road. No pressure. Go face their, go face their starters. Get three at bats a game, play, play like a starter every day on the road at home. Don't play at home. You don't need no pressure from the fans. Just sit in the stands. Look, you got big league flow. Look great. Uh, smile, sign autographs in and to and from, um, and then see what you got. I would personally depend, but depending on how you rake, if he rakes, well, damn it. You got to do what you got to do. There's no point if you rake in at this to do, but to start him at triple a, would be very vital because when he got to AAA last year, all the guys were gone. It was slim pick. He was basically facing the guys coming up. If he starts the year in AAA, he's going to get the disgruntled guy who was going for the fifth. He's a lot of those guys going for the fifth starter. He's going to get a lot of those guys. And those guys with big league stuff, consistent big league stuff. But, you know, you know how that works. It's who do I take? Uh, Who has an option? Who doesn't? So he will get to face consistent big league stuff. And I think five to six weeks, of getting consistent big league uh, quality pitching will determine like is this guy's this guy's hitting 320 doing this. Or, hey man, look at call him up. And I think June 1st is is a great day. Obviously, if you're thinking of time and you know I kind of all that kind of thing, service time, that's the you know the pinnacle date. But I just think five to six weeks in the minor leagues to see major league quality pitchers, especially disgruntled ones who got sent down and they ain't they ain't they ain't happy. To see those kind of guys, I think, would do him so much, so much uh, benefit because when you get to the big leagues, you're facing big league uh, arms every day. We'll see when he's on that roster, but yeah. we know he's going to play in the majors in 2000. I ain't speaking for Elias. I ain't speaking no. for the Orioles. Like, I'm just, this is just a, 
thought in the process, okay? That's fine. That's why we call it the Adam Jones <laughs> Podcast, where we had so many terrific guests the last 13 months. We didn't have time to bring you Eric DaCosta or Trevor Price or Tori Smith or Barry Levinson mm. or Grayson Rodriguez. So go back and check out some of these podcasts. So many more to come in 2024. Some big-name guests, now that we haven't had some big-name guests, but even bigger guests just ahead. All right. And don't forget to check us out also on YouTube and iTunes at Adam Jones Pod is where you can find us on, they call it X now. It was Twitter when we started the podcast, Facebook, and of course, the gram. And that brings us to Socially Speaking, where we typically answer a tweet or X post or social media post. But today we're focusing on Apple Podcast reviews because we've been asking you, sometimes even begging you to give us a rating. And we we will take negative comments along with the good ones. We'll read most of the good ones on the air, but we'll react to the negative ones. And we ask you to uh, you know, review the Apple podcast page and give us a rating. And here are just a few of the more than 250 responses we have received in year number one. Mostly everyone gave us five stars, Adam, but you're entitled to your own opinion. If you want to give us two stars or one, fine. You'll bring our rating down, but... We're like at 4.999 out of five. Who right, gave so, one? Yeah, I, I don't know. I have to locate that first. <laughs> There's a lot of haters out there. I love it. Especially okay. with me. All right. This one is titled, Wow, courtesy of, well, ET3445. And he starts it with whatever. Wow. Just found out about this podcast and I'm hooked. More, more, more. I appreciate that ET listens to this podcast. It's become universal, apparently, not just here on Earth. I mean, uh, hey, um, you've gotten I, a lot of feedback. No, I'm saying I think that's the best when 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 people appreciate it. Uh, somebody was me was messaging uh, a couple of days ago about. He's like, oh man, I just didn't know you had a podcast. He's like, and 18 episodes in two days. So I'm like, dude, it's fun. And he's annoyed by you. He called you a hater, but oh, uh, it's. I hope you defend yang. me in private. It's the it's the yin and yang. I'd say it's the yin and yang. Right, with the yin and yang, we have to go against each other and. Uh, you know, but he enjoys it. And that's what that's all it's about. We're trying to give good content, tell good stories. Again, we got great guests. So that's all we're trying to do. Yeah, we don't rehearse and act like we're going to be on the same page. In fact, we disagree with a lot of things. So that's the Most. way it works. Yeah. yeah. And we're fine with that because we're civil. I like this handle. This comes from Poolside5248. Says, my new favorite Baltimore podcast, incredible guest list. Thanks for the entertainment. Thank you for listening, Poolside. We'd like to be there with you, Poolside. Uh, next oh. up. From uh, I mean, well, you will be in a few weeks, and I will be in about a month. Moose Tree forty five fifty six. I love some of these handles. Wrote on the Apple Podcast review. Thanks for the Nelson Cruz interview. It put your podcast on my radar as a big baseball fan. Nice work. And I've heard that just like you have more than a few times from people outside of Baltimore. That Cruz interview we did. We'll get into it a little bit more. It made national headlines and thus alert a lot of people outside of Baltimore as to this podcast existing. I mean, Cruz played for a lot of markets and, you know, 460 plus home runs speaks for itself. Great guy, great clubhouse guy. And, uh, you know, he deserved his flowers. He deserves them going out. And, you know, I, I'm glad, I'm so glad we were able to get him. And, you know, like I said, I remember years ago, he didn't speak English. Now look at him. Like he does everything in English. Like that's, that's, he immersed himself in, in, in our culture. So I love Cruz, man. We forgot to ask him if he watched two and a half men, but maybe we can yeah. save that for later. He's probably, he, he's probably, yeah, he's older. So yeah, he's probably friends. Yeah. Let me, Let me read one. 
Go ahead. Yeah, let me read one from uh, Noel B. Yeah. There you go. Nice one. I have rated the podcast. I think it's terrific as a huge Baltimore sports fan. Also love Duncan and would love a gift card. Ah, oh, you like the free stuff. Right? Yeah. Made up my own heart. But no, again, that's what we're talking about, man. It's We're just trying to put out good content. Yeah, no, send us your info so we can get you that Duncan gift card you were seeking. Yeah. Uh, as, as I mentioned, folks really love the Nelson Cruz interview, Adam. It made headlines nationally, and he retired on the podcast in case you missed it. And that prompted youthful always, 3455, to write, quote, although I'm a born New York guy, the interview with Cruz was fantastic and caught my attention on the ESPN website. Great job. Thanks, youthfulness. We like we to get that. the old and the young listening to this podcast. Here's, here's my thing. No one cares that you're from New York. <laughs> you had like, to throw that in there, right? Yeah, I'm a New I'm Yorker. Seattle, so. I'm a New Yorker, but you right. know, I like what you guys are doing. You're on ESPN's website no matter what. <laughs> Again, we appreciate all the positive we love you. feedback hey, and even the negative it. feedback. Yeah, Don't I mean, get mad at me. Yeah, exactly. By the way, if you're not sure how to rate the podcast – We made it so easy, even a simpleton like me can do it. On your phone, go to podcast. Type in Adam Jones. Now you're at the Adam Jones podcast. Then just follow us. It's free. Rate us. Five stars would be great. Now that was easy, right? Well done. And on this day of thankfulness, this holiday of Thanksgiving, we want to thank our fine and loyal sponsors. We're thankful for them. Hi, guys. Oriole Hall of Famer and ambassador to the baseball warehouse, Mike Bordick here. We are honored and excited to help support the Adam Jones Podcast. The Baseball Warehouse has four locations in Maryland and two in Pennsylvania. We specialize in private instruction, camps, showcases, charity events, Badgers baseball, and one-of-a-kind events featuring current Major League players and Hall of Famers. Our instructors have all played collegiately and professionally, many of whom have reached the major leagues. Check out thebaseballwarehouse.com to learn more and check us out on social media. Also, make sure to check out Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey's Baseball Warehouse opening in Columbia this October. Yeah, it's October 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. I'll be there with many of my former teammates, and I want to see you there. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Jimmy's Famous Seafood, Charm City's favorite crab cake destination. Local sports fan? Experience the ultimate pregame party at the tailgate. Cheer on the Ravens with iconic live performances, an open bar, and mouth-watering eats. Can't make it? No worries. Bring the same food that caught the attention of the Food Network right to your doorstep. Shipping East Coast recipes nationwide. Jimmy's Famous Seafood is the official sponsor of the guests appearing on the Adam Jones Podcast. And by our friends at the Weinman Company. Your fun awaits at Hollywood Casino Perryville. Feed the whole crew with something for everyone, from cheesesteaks to crab cake sandwiches. Plus, ask how you can get a $15 dining credit. Get in on the gaming action with the hottest slots and your favorite table games, like blackjack, roulette, and poker. Free live shows every Friday and Saturday. Plus, become a Penn Play member and get up to $250 in rewards. Come experience nonstop fun and excitement only at Hollywood Casino Perryville.
The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Effective Solutions, your one-stop shop for commercial contracting. Everything from excavation and site development to emergency remediation and restoration. Effective Solutions specializes in many forms of commercial and mixed-use construction, like leak investigation, framing, trim carpentry, insulation, drywall, painting, wallpaper, flooring, masonry, waterproofing, paving, tree removal, and much more. With a dedicated staff and a commitment to quality, Effective Solutions delivers every time. By G Leaf Medical Cannabis Only. Visit gleaf.com. Medical cannabis is for qualified Maryland patients only. The Adam Jones Podcast is brought to you by Royal Farms. Download the Royal Farms app from the Apple App Store or Google Play today. New Royal Farms Rewards members will get a free any size cup of Royal Farms award winning coffee just for signing up. Hey, Justin, keep an eye on the time. It's your night to handle dinner. No worries. Got it covered. It's great getting dinner ready with no worries. That's why I never waste time and go straight to Royal Farms. Their chicken is fresh, never frozen, hand breaded and cooked right in the store. Oh wow, this smells amazing. I'm so impressed. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, that's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. And a reminder, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure to check out the Baltimore Banner at thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ to get started. Also, thanks to senior executive producer Chip Franklin, who's the turkey of this podcast, despite what you're watching right now. He's the biggest turkey around. Gobble, gobble, Chip. Hey, go out and subscribe to the Baltimore Banner. And until next week, our final episode of season number two, and we'll have details about season three. Be kind. Be real and make sure to be back for next week's edition of the Adam Jones Podcast.